Infirmary Media. In decades, the Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Who coach your popping pins, dropping hand grenades? Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Broadcasting from the new Infirmary Media Studios, it's the adult only retro game show where the 80s and 90s do battle because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. Let's meet this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, hailing from Denver, Colorado, he is the host of the Be Kind and Rewind podcast. It's Carlos Sanchez. (laughs) What's happening, fellas? Uh, Thanks for having me on. I will be representing December 4th through 10th, 1988. And his opponent. He's back, ladies and gentlemen, the big slice of Midwestern man meat, dueling out of Quincy, Illinois, the voice of God himself, Mr. Bobby Craft. That's right, it's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, the star of everyone's favorite Hallmark uh, Christmas movie, Snow White Septum, which uh, stars Dave Coulier and some other chick, maybe, I don't know, Candace Bergen or something. Uh, I am representing the week of December 1st through 7th, 1991. Ooh, those are close. Very close. And as always here on our show, we need someone to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So let me introduce to you tonight's judge. He is a loyal listener to the show, a trivia leaderboard mainstay, and a fellow podcaster himself. Please rise for Judge Tom Combs. Hey guys, how's it going? Um, I'm Tom from the TPIF podcast for Thank Pot It's Funny or Thank Pot It's Friday. Or if you're not really a believer in all that, thank Pudness. All right, there we have it. <laughs> Is that uh, Figgy Pudness? Sure, why not? Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and for this week experience battle, Hot Products is replaced with sports. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Hey, duelers, I may not be here this week, but that shouldn't stop you from playing Dueling Decades. I'm Nick Mancrush, and I'll be taking over the hosting duties while Mark is away on vacation. But luckily, I got a couple of my favorite players here that we haven't even seen in a while, probably like a month or two. Off to the honorary Thomas Combs, or Tom Combs. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, we're going to go back and forth on that all night. <laughs> what the right. honorary Sean Diddy Combs. <laughs> Yo, what up? Sean Combs, uh, give us the <laughs> official toss-off. Okay. Honey Combs. Today I have, courtesy of our friends at VHSPS, a copy of the 1996 Terry Belay classic, Santa with Muscles. Ooh, Ooh, now, awesome. I, I wasn't going to flip this, but if you don't mind, I'd like to try something different. Just do okay. it gently. You don't want to. You don't want to hurt that. That's a relic. What they do at VHS PS is they copy the um, VHS box, and the original price point from Cabin Fever Productions is on here, 
and it's got an unusual price point and taken from man crush's inspiration of his tap the cns tap yep (laughs) um it's pretty high the price point here is pretty high for a 1996 vhs um could we do whoever gets closest without going over Mm. let's do it pir rules okay okay so uh carlos you want to go first yeah carlos go ahead you can go first I want to go $75. Ooh, shit. Uh, Bo, how about you? I'm going to land on the ballpark of uh, 26, uh, $26.50. Closest without going over is Carlos. It is, <laughs> I don't know if you can see that, $79. Mother of God. Yeah. Jeez, what year did that come out? 96 So that's Thanks. like $100 yeah. for a fucking vhs nice it's a shitty movie too how many oscars did it win at that price jesus actually it didn't play it didn't get a theatrical run so it doesn't uh even qualify how many houses do you think purchasing that film bankrupted back then good god uh. sorry kids we can't eat this month dad bought the new hulk hogan movie <laughs> multiple copies <laughs> all right carlos you are up first and you get to decide where we go all right well i'm gonna jump in to news Always a good one. Yes. Got to start off with uh, the solid ones, you know. So this one is on December 9th, 1988. Everyone's heard of good old Nelson Mandela, you know, was uh, in prison for a long time. Uh, And on this date, though, uh, the Victor or the Victor prison uh, where he was, you know, where he was staying, they were giving a a larger warder's house for him to live in with a swimming pool and a big garden and also lifted the restriction of uh, his solitude so he had got to have friends and family were able to come and visit him at this point in time it wasn't complete freedom but it was a step toward toward that for nelson mandela so it it was a slow news week but i think this one is huge (laughs) because nelson mandela everyone wanted to hear about him at this point no one no one you know this is before pre-social media so you had to get your news the old-fashioned way um and you know i think this is just a nice a nice lift up for the for the country like i said not a full freedom of nelson mandela but a nice uh, lift of restrictions to know that our man is uh you know living a little bit easier kind of like uh yeah. paulo escobar when in his own prison type of situation it's definitely better than the peloton story oh it's yes better. uh well is, isn't everybody's wife uh making videos for them Oh, God. <laughs> so Wasn't stupid. most of the Dark Knight Rises based upon Nelson Mandela's time in prison? I'm almost positive. He did climb <laughs> no, out of like the rehabbing hole. his back and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I um like I said, At Christopher I'm, Nolan. It's not it's not freedom, but it's just, it's a step in the right direction. All right. Well, it must have been a slow news week. What's the second one you got? Second one, huh? <laughs> um <laughs> I did not bring myself a second one. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with that one. That's the second week in a row that we've actually last week, uh, Julie brought one movie item and she kicked the shit out of me in that round. That was the only round she won though. Oh, I'm pretty much going to be in that situation in uh, almost every category it feels like, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what Bo Beecraft has for news. Oh, of December man. 1st through 7th, 1991. Uh, pretty slim pickings here as well. I'll start with this one. Pan American World Airways, commonly known as Pan Am, once the principal and largest international air carrier and the unofficial flag carrier of the U.S., ceased operations on December 4th, 1991, over 60 years after its founding in March 1927. 
the airline credited for many innovations that helped shape the international airline industry, including the widespread use of jet aircraft, jumbo jets, and computerized reservation systems. I feel like this is really uh, deja vu because the last time I was on here, I was talking about <laughs> a lot of these same picks. I, I don't know if it's the same thing or what, but wait, you had. I don't remember you having Pan Am. It wasn't it was like Pan a, Am, but it was somebody like that implemented the first like electronic registrations or something like that. Maybe it was Delta. Oh, yep. Yeah. I remember so I guess that. I, I'm just drawn to airline stories. All about the aeronautics. All and right. then, uh, let's see, number two, right? Second, second pick. He's already going for two. We go to the, uh, we, we go to the star press from Muncie, Indiana. Everyone's favorite publication Sunday, December 1st, 1991. This is one of the lead stories. Rob Pilatus or Pilatus, however you want to say it. Uh, you probably know him better as one half of the disgraced musical duo Millie Vanilli in the news for slashing his wrist, taking pills, and straddling a hotel's ninth floor balcony rail Saturday before he was taken into custody by sheriff's deputies. Uh, the uh, disgraced singer, age 27, admitted to a hospital for 72 hours for observation. Deputies arrived on scene after he called the Los Angeles Times switchboard, uh, because that's the first person I would obviously call if I were attempting to take my own life. Uh, he asked for an editor and told the operator he was tired of his family in Germany being bothered because of the whole Milli Vanilli lip-syncing scandal. Uh, the operator was unable to reach an editor at the publication, and when asked if he could call back, uh, he stated he couldn't because he'd taken pills and was going to commit suicide. So the operator also said that he was he was rambling. Uh, she did manage to get the name of the hotel he was staying at and subsequently called the sheriff's department. Uh, the sheriff's deputy said he came out onto the patio, straddled the railing four or five times, saying he was despondent over his family's welfare in Germany. Uh, and that wasn't the end of this. Disgraced artist would also struggle with substance abuse and a three-month stint in prison later on for assault, vandalism, and attempted robbery. Eventually, he'd return to his native Germany before his death in 1998, attributed to what was ruled an accidental overdose of alcohol and prescription painkillers. Yeesh. What's interesting, though, is last month, somebody came with the news story of them getting their Grammy taken away. And you're a year away. And in that 12-month time span... He had a, quite a spiral for this young man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. When you said straddle, all I'm picturing this dude doing is, like, humping the railing. <laughs> I, like, I can't even get a, a good grasp out of what he was doing. I don't think you want to know. <laughs> No, actually, I kind of do. I, I mean, I think the worst part is this whole time I'm wondering, like, what is he wearing, if anything? They didn't put that in the article? Fucking early 90s newspapers. No, unfortunately. I mean, the whole time I was reading, I was like, what is this guy wearing right now? Parazzi yeah, no was shit. out there like, who are you wearing? <laughs> are those crotchless underwear? <laughs> I'm going to be wearing the pavement here in a couple of seconds. Actually, now that you said that, it makes a lot more sense. All right, so we're off to uh, Tom. This is your first ruling, and I'm glad these guys picked it for round one because if this was a two-point round, <laughs> whew, it would be a long night. So, no, we have Pan Am, Pan Am shutting down, correct? This is like the end of Pan Am. Um, now, when I think of Pan Am, I think of, like, you know, the golden age of flying, like, you know, the fancy dinners, the wide first-class seats, things like that. And um, then you have Milli Vanilli, or Rob from Milli Vanilli, who attempted suicide. Which like is, albeit sad, even though it's downer news, it's still a really impactful story. <laughs> then in eighty eight you have Nelson Mandela's family visits it. Uh dude, I was like baffled how shitty Carlos nodding with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nelson Mandela's family visits him sounds like the worst after school special ever made. <laughs> <Not too long. laughs> but it wasn't for long. He only got an hour. <laughs> it was just two 15 minute segments with a Libby's Juicy Juice commercial spliced between them. They don't call it the weak experience for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Um, I'm obvious. I'm going with 91 because those are really actually heavy hitting stories for that year. And uh, as opposed to Mandela getting a uh, visit in jail. So, yeah, Bo gets it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, it's strategy. He's he's throwing away the trash of the news, and we're moving on. Bo, you have control of the board. Where are we going? Do you want me to just go with, with one pick? Because I don't, I don't want to be, like, uneven, unbalanced. You know what I mean? Carlos, do you have one pick for everything? Yeah, honestly, I... Um, it's an honest mistake. I've done it, too. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, if it's just a one of us, we're just going to do one back and forth then, that kind of a thing. And All right, so Carlos just dropped the bomb on us, and he actually thought he was going to be in a tag match tonight. It only brought one pick around. So, you know what? Fuck it. Bo, just bring your best of your two picks so you don't completely destroy him for the rest I of the match. All right, well, I got four for this next category. <laughs> Can you share them with Carlos? <laughs> Just going to divvy them up here. You know, it's interesting, though, because you guys are close, you know, with 88 and 91. So I suspect you're probably going to have, like, the news is, everything's going to be kind of similar. Because that time period, you know, it's very closely knit between, that, you know, that three-year period. Because you, you're still in, like, an 80s hangover in 91. So I'm interested to see what you got. So where are we going? All right, we're going to go to sports and back to uh, Pan American Airlines. No, I'm kidding. Um, we are going to go to sports, though. It's not my strongest suit. I'm not a very sports-oriented guy, but this one really uh, this one is an obvious choice for me. Held December 3rd, 1991, we go down to San Antonio to the Freeman Coliseum for the WWF's This Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view, a uh, special that featured a main event in which Hulk Hogan defeated The Undertaker to secure his fourth WWF Heavyweight Championship Stacked card. Uh, other matches included Greg Valentine versus the Brooklyn Brawler, the Nasty Boys versus the Bushwhackers, uh, the Legion of Doom versus the Beverly Brothers with my good friend Lanny Poffo, Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, the uh, Bulldog versus Warlord, and of course, everyone's favorite, the Repo Man versus Ted DiBiase. Now, negative point of this whole thing. Uh, despite that rock and roll card, with an attendance of 8,000 people, they earned approximately $100,000 in ticket sales. So by today's standards, that's that's garbage. Uh, this was a whole attempt by the organization to establish Tuesday as a secondary pay-per-view night, which who the hell knows what they were thinking there. Uh, lukewarm reception and a disappointing 1.0 buy rate rendered the experiment a failure. Company shelved its plans until October 2004, when it again tried to resurrect the Tuesday night pay-per-view with Taboo Tuesday, again, no idea. Uh, regardless, based on the reported times of the matches, this event still lasted about three hours less than a modern WWE pay-per-view. Did you ever look it up and see what the thinking was behind Tuesday? I don't know. I, You know, I don't know if that was like a uh, like pivot because of Monday Night Football becoming really, you know, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. And it's I don't know why in 2004 day. they tried to do it again, as if that was going to be any better. Well, I guess you're coming right to the end of the Attitude Era, so they're trying to figure out a way to like change things up, I guess. Well, you're actually going toward the Attitude Era. Day. This is kind of like the new generation era in 91. 
Oh no, I was talking about 2004. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the the uh, the bring back. I don't know, but, man. It just it, it's not a strategy that makes a lot of sense, really, for anyone. A, mm, that's a Vince thing right there. They don't even put football on Tuesday nights. Well, who's going to spend? You know, you're paying. You're still paying a decent amount of money for pay per views back then. Who's going to spend fifty bucks on a Tuesday night to watch a pay per view? Terrible. That's a shit one. All right, Carlos, off to you. All right. On December 9th, 1988, the New York Yankees signed a 12-year uh, TV contract for a $500 million, Ooh. Uh, which is a pretty landmark uh, deal because, of course, you know, TV deals, you know, they lock in. I mean, they're going to get their ad revenue. Of course, the Yankees are the Yankees of their own huge brand as it is. So, I mean, it's just printing money at that point. And, of course, that's at the pretty much at the you know they've been a long reign for a long time but you know we start getting a lot more of our uh you know bigger players uh in the mid 90s and into the early 2000s so i mean i think it's just a perfect timing for this i mean 500 million dollars doesn't seem like a lot now when we're hearing like these billion dollar purchases so it seems like a deal at this point especially for the yankees uh with steinbrenner at the at that time but uh yeah i mean pretty big deal for that point i don't know how many uh teams and baseball at that point were signing their own huge TV contracts. I know maybe a couple, but I mean, the Yankees uh, probably signing the biggest at that point. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because, one, the Yankees were not that good in 1988, towards the late 80s. They didn't become that dynamo until, what, 95, 96? Yeah, so about seven, like seven years later, yeah. Does that say, was that with uh, MSG or WPIX? Yes. It was with MSG? No, sorry, that was with MSG. Okay, that's so that's before, and now... The Yankees have their own network for like the last like 10 years. They have yes. So that's kind of a precursor. That's kind of a big deal right there. Moving to cable, $500 million. I mean, shit, that's got to be close to a billion dollars now. It's almost like the easily. Yeah. yeah. As I say, you think about it, this, I mean, just 30 years ago. Or so and it's just like that money is just tripled or quadrupled. Ooh, it's kind of a big one. All right. Off to Tom for the judgment on sports. Now, first things first, man crush. Uh, can I be serious with you for a second? Yeah. I'm not good with sports stuff at all. So I want, right. I want to thank you for making this interesting, or at least sound interesting. <laughs> so you have uh, WWF doing a Tuesday night pay-per-view, which failed miserably. Uh, then you have the New York Yankees <laughs> contract. <sighs> Neither of us wins <laughs> in a landmark decision. Whammy, yeah. Now, before I make my decision on this, Bo, what was your other one? My other one? Yeah, I'm not going to choose based on that, but I just want to know. Uh, it was actually uh, December 1st, a contest against the Washington Redskins at Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino sets an NFL record as he reaches 3,000 yards passing for the eighth time in his career. Uh, they would go on to defeat the Redskins in the contest, a final score of 33-33 to 14. <laughs> a lot of threes for old Danny boy, that game. <laughs> the first 33rd point game ever. <laughs> that's actually interesting too i mean it doesn't count it's not i probably should have gone with that one realistically it's from you a, know what a, a it's, sports it's perspective. not a big deal anymore no. you know like three not anymore yards. but i mean eight times in your career that's yeah. i mean that's pretty impressive At that feat, point, no matter it's a big yeah deal. before the juice <laughs> oh, well, i hope that dan mario dies gunnery and burns in hell <laughs> <laughs> laces out dan <laughs> it's shaped like little football any more of that gum ace <laughs> Okay, I'm uh no, I'm gonna go with the New York Yankees contract. That's a wise choice. Yeah. That's a solid one. If Bo would have brought you, that you. to the worst of episode, 
I think that would have won the round. Yeah. That's that's kind of a solid one. Nobody really talks about those Tuesday night pay-per-views anymore. They got swept <laughs> under the carpet. Why, why would they? They weren't talking about them when they were promoting them. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's so bad. That's like such a Vince thing. He was like, ah, oh, Tuesdays are going to be great. We're going to charge $50. I can pay. barely make it to Wheel of Fortune on a Tuesday night, let alone a, a primetime pay-per-view. No, what a shit show. No, Vince asked me if uh, Tuesday nights were a good idea for pay-per-views. I would say no chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right, Carlos, you have control of the board again. This is the last single point round. All right, I'm going to jump over to TV. Right. All right. So for TV, December 10th, 1988, we had the first installment of the Roots, the Gift series is broadcast on ABC. This is not the original, but a, uh, a Christmas version uh, movie released later on uh, 10 years after the original series. Um, but it did have a, a lot a, a good you know, a good rating and it had a good audience. They didn't actually have the numbers for that one, but they have the numbers based off the root, the original roots that, you know, that, you know, they're kind of going off of the, you know, that, that whole wave of, of, uh, um, popularity, you know, amongst everybody. Cause it shows that the miniseries was watched by original uh, miniseries, which watched by 130 million people. And this is back in the 1977 to a uh, 221 million, the largest viewership ever, uh, for a U.S. series. So like I said, it wasn't this series, but, you would you would think that there'd still be a lot of people interested in seeing you know maybe what Kunta Quinte and what the other guys are up to after after the fact things like that so updated versions at so Christmas bizarre. time yeah like at Christmas time <laughs> if you, you, know, if you were to ask me hey what, what what should we make a Christmas special out of the last <laughs> thing that comes to mind is oh let's do Roots <laughs> maybe they wanted the band Roots and they just <laughs> fucked it up it's the Roots Christmas I think special so. <laughs> Everyone tuned in to see the Roots play, and they're like, Kunta? <laughs> oh, it's Questlove. Kunta Kinte? Your name is Toby. So, yes, that was the uh, the, the big Christmas special for that, that, is for that year, 1988, with Roots, the gift. God, well, do you have the uh, the viewership for that? No, no, I, I, I tried looking up. They didn't have it. They just had, you know, had a great turnout, which, you know, that's just their way of hiding. Maybe not so great, but, I mean, you would think... With the original roots, the way they had 140, 130 million people watching that, you know, a portion, a decent portion of that would still watch it 10 years later. Uh, even 10% of that is, you know, a solid turnout for uh, for TV. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't wrap my head around that concept. <laughs> we got you, Cole. <laughs> Again? I, I just, you know, like I, I remember watching like, you know, in high school, roots is almost like required watching. And you just like the gravity of that whole series. And then. I haven't seen the Christmas version, but all I'm thinking is like, oh, that's the Roots Christmas coming up this Saturday after it's Christmas, Charlie Brown. You just got to hear the hear the jingle bells in the background. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, ah, uh, it is a little bizarre. I'm going to have to look that one up. I wonder where it ranks between uh, the Star Wars Christmas and other. uh... Well, they actually have the cantina music in in the (laughs) Roots Christmas one, too. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Kobe, I don't think Santa's going to come this year. <laughs> Again? <laughs> All right, Bo. What do you got? Oh, let me see here. We're on television, right? Uh, let's see. I'm kind of torn on this one. I, I, these were two of my favorite picks as a kid, but uh, I'll go with this one. Uh, ending at the close of 1991, the cartoon adaptation of Tim Burton's Beetlejuice, which came to an end on December 6th after four seasons and 94 episodes. 
uh, became a pretty top performer and a pretty big hit for ABC upon its arrival in September of 89, thanks largely in part to Tim Burton's involvement as an executive producer. Uh, so this show, I mean, it kind of maintained a lot of the same elements and characters that the uh, the theatrical version did, made it successful. But they kind of tweaked certain things, obviously, to make it more kid-friendly. You don't have uh, Michael Keaton honking his balls and saying, nice fucking model. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You get a little more marketable stuff. They had a lot of merchandise following this, action figures, trading cards, that kind of that stuff. That wouldn't be marketable? <laughs> I mean, for me, it would. That's That was my favorite part of the movie as a kid. It'd be a great McDonald's toy. <laughs> uh, the show would actually do pretty well, um, not only like successfully for critics and kids alike, but it won a Daytime Emmy Award in 1990 for Outstanding Animated Program. Uh, but it closed, came to an end December 6, 1991, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice, the Animated Series. I'm curious, again, this won't count, but what's your second one since you liked it so much? The second one was uh, Wish Kid, which was the Macaulay Culkin cartoon, and I didn't realize it lasted a super short time. It debuted uh, in September of 91, ended in December of 1991. Damn, Macaulay was busy in 91. He sure was. But yeah, 13 episodes before they canceled that, and I remember that show like... It seemed to have gone on forever, because I can remember watching it. Maybe they just replayed the same episodes over and over, but... Thankfully, friends of the show Mill Creek Entertainment have released the series on DVD in February of 2015, so you can pick that up anytime Ooh. you want and watch it. All, Very all, nice uh, plug there. Yeah! <laughs> all 13 episodes, you can watch them in 30 minutes. You know you know what I realized the other day? Uh, Kid Rock's been all over the news because of the whole Oprah thing. If you look at Kid Rock and adult Macaulay Culkin side by side, they're the same fucking person. <laughs> Hey, have you seen the meme where it's a uh, Kit Rock looks like Doctor Phil? Um, Doctor <laughs> Phil, yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. That's the one I thought you were going. No, were gonna I'm telling you, up. like, I'll, I'll get the picture later and uh, show it to you guys. And actually, if you take Steve Buscemi and put him next to those two, and he doesn't open his mouth to show his teeth, he also looks like them. It's fucking crazy. They should have a new Home Alone where they're the new Wet Bandits. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyhow, off to Tom for the judgment, and Wish Kid does not count. That's just uh, throwing that one out there. Uh, it's a good thing it doesn't count because that would have uh, put Bo. Uh, I, I would have given it to Carlos if uh, Bo had played that in his hand. <laughs> um, I actually remember that. He had like Dang. a baseball glove that would grant him one wish per episode. And uh, I remember as a, I think I was like six or seven, thinking like, you know, wow, this is really, really lame. And as a kid, I had heart, I had decent taste. That was on around the same time where MC Hammer had the show with the talking shoes. Yes. Well, you're also talking about a kid who ate uh, pickle and mayonnaise sandwiches and watched Maurice Sendak's Little Bear religiously. So, I mean, I I got really nothing going for me as far as taste, you know, when a kid comes around. So um, we have the last episode of Beetlejuice and the Roots Christmas special. I have fond memories of Beetlejuice as a kid. I can remember watching actually on Fox in the afternoons because I think syndication rights for that show were scooped up pretty early, weren't they? If it felt, it felt like it lasted way uh, longer than four years. Yeah, as you would, yeah, as you would say, man, Chris, it had legs. Yeah, but, um, it had sure. some legs. I do remember the episode with the skeletons in the closet, that and the video game. Those episodes scared the crap out of me. So. I'm giving it to are you talking about Roots, or are you talking about Beetlejuice? Well, the Roots episode with the video game kind of scared me also. <laughs> and the skeleton in the closet. <laughs> that was very Tron-like. The one with the demon in there, yes, I really, really got they it. They had to update it for 1988. With the hot electric drum theme song. <laughs> T 
Toby has an NES. <laughs> but um, 91 gets it. I loved the Beale show. I'm glad they also kept the Elfman theme, just like with the Batman the Animated Series uh, TV show. So big part of my childhood, Beetlejuice. All right. So there you have it. So we're going into two-point rounds. It's two to one. It's anybody's game at this point. Bo, you have the board. Oh, I feel just a sense of incredible pressure here to perform. We have music and movies left, so Dang. two big ones. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with movies. Oh, mm, this is always actually no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> Take that back. I'm gonna go with music. Oh, the bait and switch. Oh shit! He wants to close with movies. He's pulling a John Cross. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that was close. Thank you. I've been practicing. Yeah, I'm just I'm just torn because I feel like these could really go either. The movies might be a little divisive for some. Ah, oh, shit. Man, are they very close together? Is that what it is? Um, I don't know. One's one's pretty hard to deny. You know what? Is it cop and a half? Oh, no. God, <laughs> do I wish though. My friend Norman can piss eight feet. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go music. I'm gonna end up going music after all. All right, switcheroo. Let's see. Uh, this song would peak at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 on December 7th, 1991. The first single released from his eighth studio album. It would become the fastest rising chart topper since the Beatles released Get Back in 1969, staying atop the charts for a total of seven weeks. I'm talking about the single from Dangerous, December 7th, 1991. Oh. This song peaked on the Billboard Hot 100, Black or White by Michael Jackson. Macaulay Culkin again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what was your other one? Just for Oz. Other music kick? Right? Yeah. Kicking off the North American leg of their tour in support of the recently released Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, uh, Guns N' Roses and supporting act Soundgarden performed in Ooh. Worcester, Massachusetts on back-to-back -back nights December 5th and 6th. Uh, marked the band's longest and one of the largest concerts in music history, consisting of 194 shows across 27 countries. Uh, it was also one of the most infamous ones. Got all the riots associated with it, the notoriously late starts, the, yeah, yeah, the date cancellations, and uh, just Axl Rose being Axl Rose. So that was my other pick. Could have gone either way, really. Those are both uh, pretty momentous moments in music. Yeah, speaking of uh, people coming back, do you see that <laughs> Motley Crue is doing an arena tour? I just saw I they announced no desire to see Molly that. Crew, Def Leppard, and like somebody Ooh. else. Like, please just give up. Yeah, actually, I take that back. It's not even an arena tour; it's a stadium tour. How are they yeah, filling up a stadium? Like Tom, you know this. Uh, right up by you is um, what's uh, Montage Mountain? Yes. over there. We're, they should be playing there. Yeah, at an amphitheater, not at a fucking stadium. Even I don't even think they could fill that. Def Leppard, I oh, think could. Man. Yeah, Def Leppard I saw a few years ago, and they were amazing. I saw Motley Crue 10 years ago, and I wanted to leave halfway through because they were just they sounded like shit. I saw Def Leppard with uh, Journey back in 2006. Both great. Both great. Yeah. All right. Carlos, off to you, buddy. All righty. On December 4th, 1988, legendary famous singer Roy Orbison, known as the Big O, and known for songs like Only the Lonely, Running scared, crying, oh pretty woman, gave his last concert in Akron, Ohio, oh. before his death from a heart attack shortly after. 
Cry. Made famous, you know, only the lonely. I grew. If you grew up in the eighties and nineties, you heard this song so often in whatever movies and montage of some sort. You know, rom coms. Oh, Pretty Woman, of course. That's you know, uh, Pretty Woman made that uh, that song even more famous at the time. And then, of course, in uh, Bobby Boucher, you know, what Mama don't know won't hurt her. If uh, if Coach has got a, a tattoo of War Opus on a, on his butt cheeks, so <laughs> that's having legs right there. <laughs> that is having legs. I like it. Uh, it he yeah, that, that was a whole decade later, and still to this day, you still hear uh, his songs running on uh, you know on commercials and uh, movies and just on the radio so, as well. So War Orbison, big big name for sure. Tough loss, um, but you know, like we said, he's got legs. He's still going. <laughs> in heaven <laughs> this is actually this is tough it's tough for me i don't know how i would do this uh tom what do you got okay for music this is tough for me also um just for a question Bo. um mm-hmm. that guns and roses tour with soundgarden this isn't going to get you any points but was that soundgarden's oh. first tour like the first time they ever toured big time i don't think it was their first tour it was their first like arena and stadium tour oh. um Michael Jackson, black or white. I remember being psyched for this video for weeks. There were like commercials everywhere. I think I remember them showing it on MTV, Fox, BET, like all the networks at, at once. It's no thriller. It is not a thriller. It's no thriller. Then you have Roy Orbison, which like, you know, songs like Pretty Woman, Only the Lonely. I was almost going to say Drop Dead Legs, but I was thinking Van Halen. <laughs> not the same person. <laughs> Just drop Traveling Wilburys. You can make up for that there. Oh, it was a, it was a bop. It's Roy Orbison. <laughs> for this one i'm giving it to roy orbison because michael had like you know he had thriller then he had bad then he had smooth criminal smooth criminal is my favorite both michael jackson's song and video and this one to me this one isn't as memorable and it doesn't stick with me as much as uh, the other his other hits did and keep in mind this was also in the in the air where i can remember this was when he started to look a bit more white than black, if that makes sense. And I remember, yep, think, yeah. remember thinking, who was that as like a six or seven year old? Was an appropriately timed single, folks. <laughs> 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 it was done intentionally. You remember the video, though, how bizarre the morphing was yes. at the end? When- oh, yeah. With all the people and the faces. And the- I mean, and they're like, he just kept going from one location to the other. And he yeah. turned into a cougar and beat the crap out of a car. Yeah, and then uh, Peter Weller shows up. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing yeah. from that song. I'm not a big fan of that song, but I would say they were probably one of the first videos to use that kind of effects in the uh, in the video itself. But hey, you can't uh, can't go wrong with Roy Orbison. So there it is. Carlos is up three to two now. We're coming to the last round, Ooh. and this is for all the marbles. Shit. All right. So we're is it, it's my go then on movies then here. Well, or, or you can defer to Bo. Whatever you want to do. I'll go ahead and rock it out. I think I'm, I feel I feel fairly confident in this one. So oh, we'll shit. get into it. So on December 4th, 1988, Academy Award winner actor Gary Busey at the age of 44 was severely injured in a motorcycle accident in Culver City, California, which he was not wearing a helmet. So this uh, fractured his skull and doctors feared he suffered severe brain damage. Uh, and of course, the uh, odd thing is that... Be- Busey at the time had recently been lobbying against the uh, the law that they're going to put in to require helmets in California. So it's kind of one of those coincidence kind of things, uh, you know, but it's unfortunate nonetheless. And and we all kind of saw pre 
motorcycle abuse and post motorcycle accident abuse and you know there probably definitely was a subtle change but he's, he's still a great actor it's just he kind of had to take a different approach at that point but it shows the resilience i mean after having such a, a brain fracture and they basically said he has brain damage to be able to continue in a, in a field where like you had to you know, memorize lines and had to kind of do things over and over that he's able to do that so i i commend him even though he has been the butt of jokes for years in regards to how kind of quirky he is and a lot of people don't know that you know it was because of a motorcycle they think he just became crazy for no reason but you know i think people need to give him a benefit of the doubt and if they knew more about this they probably give him you know like i said more benefit of the doubt now but i give Busey my love because you know he's he stuck around for so long even after this because this is 88 so we're up 30 years later and he's still still putting out material yeah you know what's really crazy about that too if you compare the two sides you don't even have to go back that far go back to lethal weapon where he played mr joshua and he has his fight scenes and stuff. He, what was he doing after 88? You know, th- that was it. That was the end of that. So it was like the last time we got to see him do like a full role. What year was it was, uh, was, was, was uh, Point Break? Point Break. Was like Utah. Give me two. Yeah, exactly. And then he's, you know, he's like the uh, like the desk over agent the top guy. guy. Yeah, yep. the over the top guy of some sort. So he kind of he kind of leaned into it for sure. But um, he just had to adapt, you know, and most people just thought he, he went crazy on his own. Crazy shit. All right. Now, did that have any effect on the law at that point? Did they change it? Um, I think it did. I think it did go into effect eventually, but I don't think his lobbying, you know, kept it from doing anything like that. But it was just a coincidental, like at around that same time, he had been going to like you know events and charities to like lobby against the uh, the law itself. Man, that would have been nuts if it would have flipped his uh, opinion on the whole thing and then. Jump to the other side of the board, which I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm, it I'm did. Sure, I'm sure it has some effect. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read up on that, but I'm sure it had some effect for sure. Shit. All right, Bo. Here we go. Movies. Final <sighs> pick. I feel quite as confident in this one now. Um, <laughs> God damn it! December 6, nineteen ninety-one marks the release of Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Uh, the sixth feature film based on Star Trek, a sequel to the 1966-69 to television series. This takes place after the events of Star Trek V, duh, The Final Frontier. Uh, it's actually the final film to feature the entire cast of the original series, so it does hold some significance there. Uh, garnered positive reviews from audiences and critics alike. Performed pretty well at the box office, too. It earned uh, just shy of $97 million worldwide. Uh, I had to go back and check this out. The budget was $27 million, so... Made about $70 million in profit. Actually earned two Oscar nominations for Best Makeup and Best Sound Effects. Obviously not acting. Uh, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry actually died shortly before the movie's premiere just days after viewing the film. So there's a little poignance uh, to this to this film. Shit, well, who's your other one? I have honestly never heard of this film. It's called At Play in the Fields of the Lord. Oh, good thing. All right. Well, Fuck it, don't even I, go into it. It's, uh, I mean, I, I've never heard of it, but it's got Tom Berenger, John Lithgow, uh, Daryl Hannah, Tom Waits, and Kathy Bates. I think I know this movie. Best. It's like something in the South, right? They're like... Uh, uh, yeah, sort of. It, it's kind of like a parable from what I understood. Kind of, you know, one of those yeah. uh, read-between-the-lines type movies. Yeah, it was It was a flop. Yeah. It made about one and a half million. Had oh, a $36 shit. million yeah. dollar budget. Damn. All right, Tom, okay, what are you going to do, man? Gary Busey getting, uh, going mental after the uh, motorcycle accident or Star Trek Six? I've uh, actually met Gary Busey before. He is a very intimidating man. While we're on the subject of Tom Waits real quick, I was once in a record store. They put a Tom Waits record on. 
and I thought it was a Muppet album. <laughs> His voice. I'm t- Tom Waits is like an acquired taste, yeah. and I haven't, nor do I expect to acquire it at any point in my life. <laughs> He's an acquired taste, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> for, for most others. Um, for the 12 people that really enjoy his work. Now, while uh, Carlos was talking, I did some research. Now, December 2nd would have fallen into Carlos's lap up for this one, right? Uh, what'd you have? The 4th the through, through the 10th, oh, okay. I think, yeah. Because I was going to say, if he had the second, Naked Gun would have qualified. I um, Yes, I was, uh, like, I had uh, the 12th, uh, and, like, the 4th, the 3rd. I, like, had so many things I could have gone. I'm like, damn it. But, yes, I, I feel the pain. And two weeks earlier, Scrooge came out, which is my favorite uh, Christmas movie. Um, but I'm sorry for a lot of questions. Um, in generations, I don't know. I don't know the answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me, Tom? No, no, really, he doesn't know the answer. Okay. <laughs> I'm going 91 on this one because, like, Star Trek, the impact that it had on pop culture and everything. And this was like the last real time that the main original cast was all together, center stage. I was never a big Star Trek fan. I don't know that much. That's why I was going to ask you, but this seems like it was the last real big time for them. <laughs> what What was the question you had? Because now uh, I'm curious. Uh, were they all in uh, that one with um, Patrick in Generations? Oh, God. I, 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 have, been, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy, Tom. I don't know. Uh, but um, fun fact, at the end of uh, Star Trek Six, where they all sign their names in the credits... They did that for the latest Avengers movie as well, which apparently drew inspiration from Star Trek uh, Six. So, ooh, yeah, damn, got legs. Nice little, uh, nice little nod there. But yeah, so Shit. Star Trek gets it. Bo gets the game. Bummer. Damn. Sorry, Carlos. Carlos. I thought Gary. I thought Gary Busey's insanity was enough. Man, I feel better than somebody that's got moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. <laughs> I thought you were coming with like Die Hard when you said you were like, "Yeah, this is slam dunk. I got this." <laughs> I was like, "Hey, man, this is uh, it's and Gary then, Busey." And you said Gary Busey. I was like, "Everyone right. knows Gary Busey. It's still good. It's a good pick. <laughs> it's got teeth. It's a turning point in his in his career. I mean." An Academy Award winner uh, actor gets uh, their brain damaged and they have to keep it going. But he won the Oscar for uh, Buddy Holly story. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, Wait, did he win that right. after? No, he won. That was like early '80s, right? Yeah, Buddy yeah, Holly it was story. early on in his career. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but Gary Busey actually died in the same plane crash that <laughs> Buddy Holly did. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's how he won the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey has a posthumous Oscar, even though he's alive. I did a great job. I was in the plane crash. <laughs> I was a pilot. God, have you ever heard that guy on like a radio show? Terrifying. Uh-uh. Oh God, I I can't imagine listening to him unscripted. I would imagine if they were to reboot Mr. Ed, they would just have him do the voice. I have yeah. heard him talk He'd be and so the, into and the it. teeth. <laughs> I, I have heard him talk in person. Do not make eye contact with that man. It, I am deadly serious. It, he is a very intimidating man. Yeah, he's got that crazy eye, yeah. like all the time. But two, yeah. <laughs> all doing something else. <laughs> Like, is this guy going to kill me or is he going to make me his eyes moving? His nostrils are going different directions. This is this is freaking me out. Anyhow, we got to close this one up. So this uh, this went to Bo's close contest four to three. What are you going to do? But guys, plug your shows. Tell us where we can find it. Carlos, what are you what are you doing these days? 
I I am still releasing episodes. We got the Be Kind of Rewind podcast. We got an episode coming out next week. We're getting down to it. We're getting into our uh, Y2K scare anniversary from 1999. And we have our end of a Nickelodeon, uh, 90s Nickelodeon era episode coming up. So, yeah, got a couple of cool ones coming up. And uh, maybe we'll just slide slide in some Christmas stuff in there as well. Like the Roots Christmas special. (laughs) Exactly. You should do a full episode on it. We'll just do a full commentary, you know, the full series, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, however long it is. Check out the Easter eggs about 33 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Bo? What's going on these days? Uh, Not a whole lot. You can catch my new series, The Witcher, on Netflix. That's coming up pretty soon. Uh, (laughs) Other than that, uh, happy holidays to everybody. Thank you. Uh, it's, It's the trainer. And Tom, thanks again for coming on and judging the show. It was a close one, so it's always tough. Mm-hmm. Well, where can they find your show again? Okay, I'm uh, on the TPIF podcast, which search for it's under Horror Movie Barbecue uh, TPIF. I'm also on Twitter at Classic Tomedy, and uh, you know this. It was great being part of this. I'd love to be. Hopefully, I'll be back sometime soon. Like not too soon. Like whenever you're ready. For another. <laughs> I, I blew that. Um, How about uh, tomorrow? You good? If you need me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> back to back episodes right now. I gotta say, this was like com- like guest refereeing a WWE match with The Rock versus Austin. I got Jerry the King on commentary, and I'm Jesus special guest referee David Arquette. Oh, you pretty. You, you more likely got to like Duke Drozzy and Doink the Clown. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. I think you guys are good. You definitely created an arch nemesis. You're really upselling us here, buddy. <laughs> hey, Carlos, do you have a win yet? I don't. Oh, man, we got to no, get this I guy think, I think I have one in the doubles, but not individual. I'm like one for like nine at this I'm point. I'm just going to, you know what? Let's just do this. We're. I'm just going to keep booking you until you get a win. I mean, I'm not all for charity work, but if you guys are looking for that, let's do it. Because at this point, I'm just like, give it to me. Let's. I'll do the make a wish. You can call it make a wish episode, whatever you want. I Because I, I think the last three individual ones, like I've got to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to lead the last question. You know, it's going to switch over. I think my I've stated my good points here. And then the other person, I'm like, ah, so crush city. So I got to get an individual win. It happens, but you know what? It's the weak experience. You don't get anything great. You get a week, and it might be good, might not be. But in the meantime, go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades. And if you haven't yet, play trivia. Ask Tom. It's fun. At the end of the month, we are resetting our all the scores, going back to zero. We announced it last week. I'm just going to keep saying it to the end of the year. We're giving a belt out at the end of the year. Whoever's in first, getting that belt for the 2019 championship. And then we are resetting to zero. So at that point, if you looked at the scores and you're like, holy shit, there's no point even playing January 1st, you're starting from scratch. So you might as well get in on it. Uh, Check out our Facebook stories twice a week. You got the audio trivia and the culmination to put it all together for 50 points. You have no idea what I'm talking about if you don't play. So go over to our Facebook or go to www.duelingdecades.com and I bid you adieu. Oh, Oh, wait, how does Mark do it? I bid you a peace, love, light, and joy. Peace, love, light, and joy. We're out of here, everybody. Infirmary Media.